So I was on YouTube the other day and I came across this ad. We do it every night. Every night. I live alone, but I still do it every night. Right after dinner. Definitely after meatloaf. What do you think they're talking about? I know where my mind went. Like clockwork. Run your dishwasher every night with Cascade Platinum. In today's world, sex sells. Sex has pretty much pervaded everything. Sex is used to sell advertisements for cars, colognes, clothes, food, and yes, even dishwashing soap. Our shows and movies have to have a sex scene in it, and even our ads are riddled with innuendos. Sex is now casual. Sex is transactional. As long as both parties are consenting and agree to the terms, arrangements like friends with benefits, open marriages, and hookup culture is now normal. It's easy. It's even seen as routine on the first date to have sex with someone. Just a physical interaction between two people. But is it? Many moons ago, my youth group and I went to an event hosted by the Silver Ring Thing. And Silver Ring Thing is an organization, they speak to young people, and they promote abstinence and saving sex till marriage. In one part of the meeting, they needed a guy and girl volunteer, and as fate would have it, ya boy was chosen to go on stage. They picked out a lovely lady from the audience, and we were both given pieces of wood with half hearts drawn on them. And then for the sake of the demonstration, they brought out a saw, and for every person that I had sex with outside of marriage, they would cut a piece of wood out of that half heart. Then the young lady and I would get married, she would bring her half heart to the table, and I would bring my piece of wood all cut up and busted and whatnot. And for a lot of us who grew up in church, this is what we were taught. If you have sex outside of marriage, you're like a piece of tape that loses its stickiness the more it gets stuck to things, or a piece of gum that loses its flavor the more it's been chewed, or a used car, or a piece of wood that has chunks missing out of its heart. Some of us may have grown up with very open views about sex, or some of us might not have been taught about sex at all. Growing up in the Indian culture, sex was not really even talked about, not even for married people. Physical interactions like hugging and kissing even for married people was rare, if not non-existent. The way the church has approached the topic of sex has hurt a lot of people. It's caused a lot of fear and shame, and it's made it seem like those who have had sex outside of marriage are somehow less than those who are virgins on their wedding night. The church has put so much emphasis on not having sex that it's just become cliche. Love Jesus, no drugs and alcohol, and don't have sex. But here's the real problem. Because we have not talked about the why behind the Bible's standards on sex, even the people in the church have approached sex with lax standards, and the practices inside the church now are no different than those outside the church. Is it really a sin? Saving yourself for marriage is pretty archaic and old-fashioned, isn't it? I mean, I can still have sex outside of marriage and be a Christian, right? I mean, I'm not hurting anybody. G.K. Chesterton said, Do not remove a fence unless you know why it was put up in the first place. I heard this example once and I want you to think about it with me. So say you're walking down the street and someone were to assault you, to attack you, and if sex is just a physical act, would it be the same as if they were to have raped you? Now, I understand this is a pretty extreme example, but it got me thinking. I would say no. If I were to be assaulted, my body would be hurt, would be cut up, would be bruised, and for sure traumatized. But if I were to have been raped, there would be a deeper psychological loss of dignity, a sense of shame, a feeling of dirtiness and disgust. I, I, would, be, I would feel violated. This is why rape is not treated like another assault case. I think sex is a little deeper than just a physical interaction. Now maybe that example was just too extreme or too incongruent, but studies have shown that the severity of a breakup between two people is determined by the amount of time they've spent together and the amount of physical contact that they had with each other. If you've been in a relationship where sex was involved, then you know it's a little harder to break up with that person versus breaking up with somebody whom you didn't have sex with. 
This is why people stay so long in bad relationships, because the sex is good. Even if the sex is not good, when you've had sex with somebody and you break up with them, it's just hard to get them out of your mind. You feel a deep connection to who they are, the way they were, almost as if they were a part of you. Sex is a bonding act, and it joins two people on a level much deeper than the physical. Like it says in Genesis 2.24, in Matthew 19.5, in Mark 10.8, and in Ephesians 5.31, For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two become one flesh. Mark Gungor spoke about sex outside of marriage, and this was his insight. Men and women imprint on their early sexual experiences, similar to how a bird imprints on the first thing it sees as being its mother. So for men, the desire for sex outside of marriage is primarily out of lust. We have a strong urge, a feeling of horniness that we want to satiate, and we act on it. But this action is not based out of love, but rather out of lust, because as soon as a guy gets what he wants, he's gone, especially in hookups. So as he continues this, his imprint correlates sex to an action based out of lust. Men will give love to get sex, and women will give sex to get love. For women, it's the emotional attachment that occurs after sex that matters. The bonding hormone oxytocin runs high, but if there's no guy there, there's no one to bond to. So the woman imprints the feelings after sex really to mean nothing. Now, if this is the imprint for men and women, I, I wonder if a man acting out of lust all of his sexual life will suddenly change and act out of love when he gets married. And I wonder if a woman who has slowly associated the chemical bonding after sex to really mean nothing will feel an emotional bond with her husband. Steve Harvey teaches the 90-day rule, and this is where a woman withholds the cookie or sex from a man she has just met for 90 days. Because if all a man wants is just sex, then he is not waiting 90 days for a cookie because, girls, a cookie is a cookie, and girl, you ain't the only bakery in town. But if a man truly cares about a woman, then he'll wait the 90 days at least. Alright, but why does the church put so much emphasis on not having sex more than anything else? While I don't agree with how the church has gone about it, I do agree with why. And here's the why. All other sins committed are outside of the body, but sex, the Bible says, has internal effects. You join your body with someone else, not just physically, but on a level much deeper than the physical. You become one with that person. 1 Corinthians 6, 15-20 says, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Many of us think God is a prude because we reflect the actions of our parents or whoever taught us about sex on God, as if that's also the nature of God, as if God is out there trying to withhold us from enjoying sex. But that's not how God is. In fact, it's quite the opposite. This is a thought I had a while ago, so think about it with me, and please correct me if I'm wrong. But imagine from the beginning of time, imagine if we all did sex God's way. One husband, one wife, sex. Would there be unfaithfulness, broken hearts, broken homes, cheating, incest, pedophilia, rape, sexual abuse, sexual assault? Would there be STDs, fatherless homes, abortions? I could go on. I'm inclined to say no. 
God created sex for procreation, and like Rich Wilkerson Jr. says, turns out if you do it right, it feels great. I mean, God created it that way. He created the body of a man and a woman to fit together perfectly. He created sex to be pleasurable. He created it to be an intense bonding act between two people. And he also put sex in the boundaries of marriage. Ben Stewart compares sex to fire. And he said, if you take fire and put it in a fireplace, you can sit around it and enjoy its warmth and it's great. But if you take fire outside of the fireplace and throw it around, you're gonna burn the house down. In the same way, sex is a great thing that can best be enjoyed in the boundaries that its creator intended for it. When two people have committed to each other emotionally, spiritually, mentally, financially, whatever Ali you wanna add, in marriage, sex can best be enjoyed because you're not only physically naked with them, but also emotionally, mentally, spiritually naked with somebody who has committed the rest of their life to you. This requires true love. This requires self-control. This requires a deep respect and commitment to God and to the opposite sex. And if you aren't being disciplined in that before marriage, don't think that just saying I do is gonna change that overnight. I love cake, especially carrot cake. And if you were to put some cream cheese icing on it, woo I love it. But if you were to hand me a plate with just cream cheese icing on it, there's only so much of it I can eat. Now, if you were to hand me a plate with just carrot cake, no icing, I'm still good. Because the icing only makes a great cake even better. That's how I see sex. When we look at the story of Samson in the Bible, we see that because he fell into sexual sins, he was blinded metaphorically by his attachments to Delilah, who was clearly against him. He ultimately lost his mission, he lost his common sense, he lost God's favor, and was blinded physically as well. God knows that introducing sex too early in a relationship will blind you to obvious red flags. It'll make you stay in the relationship that only impedes or pulls you farther from your purpose. You'll have deep connection with no commitment. This is why God said, wait. Wait till they have fully committed themselves to you in every way before you give them your body. Wait till you have fully evaluated who they are before you join yourself to them. Sex is just icing on the cake and many of us are just trying to eat a bowl full of icing when we got no cake. And it's not fulfilling, it doesn't satiate. Now here's the best part and it's the part that the church tends to leave out a lot and it comes from John chapter 8. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But no matter what your past looks like, Jesus does not condemn you. In fact, he came to this earth to take your condemnation for the sins that you committed and will commit. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, our sins are forgiven. Anyone who finds themselves in Christ is now a new person, a new creation. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. He forgives and enables us to live the life that he's called us to live. God has the power to heal, to cleanse, and restore your heart and body. And won't he do it? Woo! I know that's good news for me, and that's all I have to say for this one, so I'm out. Mm.